podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. everybody and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host and this is of course our preview show where we look back at what's happened since our last show on Monday but more importantly look forward to the weekend's match when this week on we take on Hearts at Ibrox and joining me for this is a long time pod stalwart but making his first appearance for a few months. A bit like Jordan Rossiter and that's a comparison you won't hear that often. It's Mark Dingwall. How are you David? I am delighted to have you back. Our listeners have missed your dulcet tones Mark. I'm off the bench. You're off the bench, and, and we haven't done an awful lot about East European hitchhikers over the last year, and I think our older listeners are starting to miss that sort of thing on this well, kind of... I, oh. You know, my taste become more refined as, uh, as the years pass, David. Yeah, well, uh, Brexit's going to have unintended effects on that sort of thing, isn't it? Well, I have to invest in a few new, different passports. <laughs> OK, then, mate. The main thing, then, that I think that's happened this week has been the... Continued speculation about Alfredo Morelos and we've heard all manner of different rumours that there's still interest in him from China, that they've came back with further bid, Rangers have again rejected them and uh, the latest seems to be that Rangers are talking to Morelos' agent about an improved deal, no guarantee that it's going to be signed or anything but talks are underway as you'd probably expect for a guy who's done as well as him and his value has rocketed that the, his agents after improved deal. But Morelos has, in fact, today said he's aware that a lot of clubs are looking at him and he's just going to concentrate scoring goals, trying to get into the Columbia squad for the World Cup. Realistically, he's not long for Ibrox, is he, one way or the other? No, I don't think he is. And um, just to be honest, the way, the way he's come in, the way he's behaved, um, the way he's scored then I don't think you can, can really um, have any regrets if he does go for a reasonable price. You know, where Rangers are and where we have been, if you get um, a bid coming in, you know, over five, six, seven million, it's almost like, you know, pull a, pull a figure out there. But if they're coming in in that range, then that makes a huge difference to, to the club's finances. Um, it means you're going to have to promote somebody up front. Um, but if, they are, if there is interest at the at those kinds of prices, then it's simply a no-brainer that they will go. I think that's something that we do need to bear in mind, that while you're obviously sad if ever you lose a player, if we're getting £10 for somebody, anybody at the moment, it's kind of like a lottery win because nobody started the season that value. And that kind of money, in terms of what it can do for the club, not just in terms of transfers, but also... I mean, you've you've campaigned long and hard about the state of Ibrox, and the club are addressing it, but it's not something that gets fixed overnight. No, I mean the the problem with Ibrox started long before we had uh, we had uh, the Spurs in. Was you know under David Murray and Martin Bain, you know the uh, programs for maintenance and cleaning were, were cut right back, and so you know we're we're paying you know that short term, or supposedly short term. Uh, solution back then is now coming back to haunt us many years later and uh, you know how many players have we seen over the years where you thought they had potential or they, were, they did have potential but they were doing well and all it takes is one injury or a loss of form 
and suddenly, you know, somebody that's a hero becomes a villain. Um, I'm a great romantic when it comes to football, but you simply can't take chances when when these kind of opportunities come up. When we are when we are where we are. So if the money if the money's right, then he's he's going to go. Same as you know, there is no player in that squad that uh, that you know should not be sold if we get a a well above odds offer for them. Speaking of the financial side of the club, Mark, now this week the, the newspapers reported that um, Chase Brothers, who are um, uh, an international bank, had taken security over Edmondson House in the Albion car park against a three million pounds overdraft, which had been offered to Rangers. Now, that's not a, a panic measure. That's not a bad thing. It's not spiv related. That that is just a pretty standard financial transaction for a. Anybody, when taking out an overdraft with a bank, that you have to provide some security. And in fact, my contention is, and we spoke to Andy McGowan on here about this, that this financial um, ability now, the fact that Rangers can get credit, to put it in very simple terms, after years of not being able to, for fairly obvious reasons, given given um, what happened when we went down to the lower divisions, then it, it, it's almost a sign of confidence from a firm, and the security issue is just pretty standard. Well, it's how, it's how a lot of businesses um, finance themselves is that you have to have, if you've got, if you've got resources, uh, especially, you know, land or buildings, then they become security on, on loans or overdrafts. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't get into panic. I also think it's maybe a reality check for some of us um, that have been involved in the fan movement in the past where, if you remember, um, David Murray very kindly offered um, the trust to, to join a new company that would own iBooks. Well, can you imagine if that if iBooks had actually been hived off to a separate company controlled by the bank? Oh, Where would we be now? You know, we'd be paying four or five million quid a year in rent. We wouldn't own the the, the, the land and, and the building, and so we wouldn't be able to provide normal financial arrangements for the club because the stadium would no longer be ours. And again, for the club as a club. Um, I know a lot of people are taken with the idea that you know fans would maybe chip in and buy the pitch, and that means Rangers could never leave. That's true, but it also means that you're going to have severe problems. Maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line, when you decide we're going to really renovate iBox, we're going to change things, and we need to secure some borrowings on the land. Well, it's not impossible to get out of this. Chelsea fans supposedly on the pitch. Uh, at Stamford Bridge but basically they eventually had to cave in simply because the practicality of the club means that they, that they, that they went along with the club's plans but it does cause a major uh, headache so you know I think we should always be romantics we should always be looking for the safety of the club but shouldn't rush into things simply because it seems like a good idea at the time you know we will own the pitch but if the club doesn't own the pitch then it could cause real problems for the sorry for the club in the future. As a wee aside, Mark, I and mean, this is nothing directly to do with the Rangers, but there's obviously been a lot of speculation over the last few months about the future of Hamden and, of course, um, the Scottish Rugby Union um, or, or, or association. They made a, a fantastic and I believe very cost-effective pitch. Um, pardon the pun to the SFA about getting Scotland matches and, and cup semis and finals played at Murrayfield and in fact that's the option the SFA will pursue if they don't 
get the ability to buy the pitch from, or to buy the stadium, sorry, from Queen's Park. Apparently, the view of the SFA is that Queen's Park basically couldn't afford the upkeep if there was no, no games, no major games being played at it. So they sort of got them over over a barrel. What's your thought on the whole the whole issue of, of should it be played at hand and should they be moving to Murrayfield and the SFA's move to take control of Hamden as their preferred option? I think the the SFA should control Hamden um, without getting too complicated. It's essentially Queen's Park, the, the amateur club that owns, that owns the ground at the moment. And, um, so the amount of money that the country, the game has invested in Hamden, I think it would be completely ludicrous um, to scrap Hamden or to move away. Uh, I think it's got you know, 20, 30 years in it anyway before you need to make that decision either to revamp it or to, or to move elsewhere. I don't think as a country we can afford to. But more importantly, as far as I'm concerned, is that Hamden, um, let's separate Hamden from the football authorities, for which Rangers fans have got uh, not a little love. <laughs> let's, let's remove that. And what I would say is Hamden is a symbol of the whole of Scottish football, um, the style of football that's played across the world, the history of football across the world. Scotland's one of, you can argue between Scotland and, uh, and England whether they are the originators and inventors of football, but certainly we've played a huge um, part in the history of football across the world. And uh, I think in terms of what has happened at Hamden, the great games that have been played there, the history that's been made, then it is something that other other countries would give their eye teeth for. Um, I'm very proud as a Glaswegian that, you know, this city has contained, you know, three huge um, football football um, venues over the years. Um, that so many world, European, British uh, records have been have been had at uh, at Hamden. So, from a romantic point of view, I think Hamden should be kept. I think, from a practical point of view, because of the money that's been spent, it should also um, remain the home of Scottish football. And rather than throwing the baby out of the bathwater, is if you don't like the the SFA, reform that campaign, argue. Um, I know that's not an easy thing to do, but you know, things that are worthwhile in life never are that easy. So rather than throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I would I would say we retain Hamden. And there's also whatever deal we sign with the SRU, are they going to be able to keep it? If we sign a deal that all we'll, we'll move the we we'll take the big games to Ibrox and Park Red, well, you know what? Have a funny feeling how that's going to end. Well, that's been that's been ruled out. Uh, I will say that. I think even the SFA realised that. But while we're on the subject of the SFA, just before we get into Saturday's match, a lot of talk at the moment, obviously, about their new chief executive, um, Leanne Dempster of Hibs, has ruled herself out. One of the names mentioned for reasons that are beyond my understanding is Jackie McNamara. Um, this is this would appear for Scottish football and for Rangers, Mark, to be a fairly pivotal appointment. Um, are we going to get somebody who's got a plan and a forward thinking uh, and the ability, a, a forward thinking ideology and the ability to implement it, which is obviously key because you're going to run into a lot of problems at Hamden, or are we going to get the same old, same old another guy who comes in who's a puppet of the people who have the power 
and business will continue as usual. I think there comes a time in many organisations where uh, change happens. It's not necessarily, and it isn't very often cataclysmic. But I think if you saw the way that Alec uh, Police was introduced, and without being unpleasant to the gentleman introduced them. Yes, Jesus. It, uh, <laughs> you know, the, gent- the gentleman was getting on in years, and it did seem a little bit Keith Robinson. Um, I like Big Ek on a personal basis, and you can argue about some of the some of these uh, career results down south in very competitive, um, very competitive environment. But what you saw there was, and I, I support his appointment simply on it solves the problem for a little while. Now it buys them time to make those changes. If you look, um, people were talking about uh, the SFB were outbid the Irish. Uh, Irish Football Association for the services of uh, Michael O'Neill. Well, if you actually look at the turnover of the two businesses, the SFA is between three and four times bigger than the the Irish Association in a normal year. Not not that we or 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 Northern Ireland ever get to major competition finals that often anyway. Um, So money shouldn't be a problem if they want to attract somebody um, from business who has a track record, let's say, for instance, the Disney Corporation or Nike or Adidas or, or whatever um, realm of sports administration. So it shouldn't be a problem. My worry is that, you know, because for whatever reason, uh, Leanne Dempster's got a bit of a name, a bit of a cashy about her just now. But look at where she's actually been. Again, no disrespect to her because, you know, she's been running uh, two, two professional football clubs. But is it really going to make that much of a difference to Scotland and the more inherent problems that we have in Scotland with the culture, with the weather, with the changing um, the changing powers in football? Somebody who's really going to make a difference to that has got to be somebody with, with real foresight and force of personality uh, to impose um, not just one plan but several plans um, across across the Scot- across Scotland and over the lifetime of his own, and uh, probably the next couple of executives' tenures. Because how many times in our lifetimes have we had plan this, plan oh, that? Fuck. Nothing ever happens. No. How many think tanks have we lived through? Three, you know? Yeah. Um, honestly, we've had more think tanks than Scotland managers in my lifetime, I think. Um, so what you're basically saying, Mark, is that we should look to hire some business experience from major sports firms, as opposed to maybe Jackie McNamara, because when York City stuck him on garden leave once, they gave him the title chief exec. And it's also where, where have York City been, been operating? You know, how long in his time have they been in the football league? Oh, they, you know, he was a disaster. Been, Jackie McNamara, everything he's touched since he got his kitchen done after um, his clever transfer negotiations at the United, it's been all downhill from there. But let's move on to the Rangers. That's why we're here after all to talk now. First things first, uh, injury news, as we reported on uh, the Patreon site. Um, Lee Wallace, Bruno Alves, back in the squad and back available for Saturday. Apart from that, we've got pretty much our full strength, um, apart from long-term injuries, obviously, guys like Ryan Jack, Graham Dorans, uh, Jordan Ross, or Ross McCrory, sadly, who looks as though he's going out for at least another month and possibly even may need an op. Would you be looking at making many changes after last week, Mark? Because while I thought we were wonderful at times going forward, 
you couldn't really say that defensively we had a sound game and we're stepping up a level in terms of opposition and what they can do going forward. Well, I actually had the misfortune to watch most of the Ross County Hearts game last week. And, uh, well done. Did you stick it out to the end? I, sort of, I had a brief lunch break in the middle. To be, <laughs> I don't think I really missed anything. Um, but again, depends what Hearts team turns up. Aye, it does. Um, you know, you, you thought early on, you know, they get the goal with, with uh, the late lamenting big laughs and you thought they would have gone from there, but they didn't. They stagnated. And uh, I thought Ross County fairly well uh, contained them for, for most of the game and um, and then you know they're obviously to, to, to make a few chances themselves although um, statistically I'm, I'm sure I'm sure some sad kids out there will, will blow me away with this but I thought that the, in terms of clear cut chances Hearts were, were well in front so that that is obviously a danger that we, we have to look out for especially if um, Lafferty and, and Naismith are available for them well, still some talk about whether Naismith will be fit. Um, I think he'll be guaranteed an interesting reception. I thought Lafferty got a, a pretty decent reception at Ibrox earlier this season. Admittedly, he wasn't he doing as much damage as Hearts somehow managed to play a 14-10-0 formation and uh, he was at left-back for most of the match. But I have my doubts that Naismith will be getting a warm reception, Mark. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I mean... There aren't defenders of them who say, oh, well, you know, the club should have talked to him more, should have talked to all the players that left more, should have explained that somebody, you know, McCoy should have taken more of a, a role in it, or, you know, some began kind of thought by, um, by, uh, by Charles Green. My, my view is quite simple for the guys that left. You could have stayed. You could have stayed, and you could have got, um, you know, if you're going to move on in your career, you've got different money from Rangers, or, you're in a position for the club benefits from a, from a fee. So you choose, you choose to go for your own benefit. So if anybody wants to abuse them, fine. My, my attitude is, with the way that a lot of players have behaved over the years, is they're simply the higher help. You know, um, enjoy them when they're there. It's a few characters, but there'll always be somebody tomorrow. So, you know, they're small beer, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I remember back to a wee friend, the Gub, one time when Rangers were playing Falkirk. Does he actually like anybody? That's the, that's the major problem, though, if you're going to use an anecdote from him. Well, after uh, uh, we were playing Falkirk at Ibrox, and Falkirk took the lead, and then Rangers scored and took the lead, and a few bears in front of us started throwing the Vickies to Falkirk fans and shouting, get it up, you. And the wee man turned around to me and went, I refuse to taunt Falkirk fans. We are above that. <laughs> That's always stuck with me. It's like, yep, yeah, you've got a point with Rangers. That's, that's Did they direct his butler to go up and give him the yeah. <laughs> He sent the barman to go and do it. Um, he, he, was, he was instructed to go off uh, and get towed into them. Now, uh, before but, but, we... Coming back to what you were saying, I mean, the, the, there is something about Rangers where I'm, I'm still stuck in this mindset where we need about three goals when I'm at before I feel comfortable. <laughs> well, before. it's kind of true, usually. <laughs> so there is, there is this mad vulnerability. I mean, I, I, and I don't even include Hamilton because, I mean, um, although I don't think it's an excuse, there is definitely something about <laughs> that carpet. I mean, it, it looks like a shag pile carpet that you play on at New Douglas Park. There's definitely something there that no matter how often you tell players or what club it is, that gives them an on-field advantage. So maybe you know, that, that result of you know, losing those goals is a, is a wee bit away from the normal. 
but there is a vulnerability with Rangers where we just can't seem to just get that, that killer and then I don't know do we go to sleep or, 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 or the players um, are the players not up to the job but there is this vulnerability with Rangers in almost every game where it just seems people can walk straight through us hmm. every game there's going to be chances but there's just something about us that do we need a leader a real leader um, to marshal things at the back well um, I, th- I thought that was what Martin was signed for and it's very early and I'm not I'm, but I, we were told an awful lot about his leadership characteristics and maybe it's just settling in and maybe he just doesn't feel quite ready to do that but we haven't seen that from him yet but you could say the same about Alves another guy who we thought would offer that and maybe it's just we've been a bit spoiled Mark that we've grown up with guys like Butcher, Goff, Bomber Ammo even you know these big presences from the back the guys who sort of set the tone and maybe these guys just don't really exist in the modern game well and it's also maybe you know absence makes the, the hard go fonder I, I thought we Alves hadn't seen him in so often in the past that you know he would probably need a bit of time to, to come up to speed where you know the kind of um, might not be the most skillful but there, there is something uh, in terms of the speed and you compare to England it's, it's a more physical game up here mm. you know um, I, mean, I know that people see referees and all the cuddle the players and so I always thought that the Galvez was going to take a to settle in um, and now we've got injuries and so forth but the times when he has played, he's always looked that yard off the pace. Well, speaking of uh, referees, beautifully said there, Mark, um, our old friend John Beaton is the referee for Saturday's match. Now, Beaton's charge sheet at Ibrox this season is long and lengthy. And I think it's, it's well, like all football fans, we moan about refs. I think it's been pretty apparent several times this season that Rangers are ref to a different standard. And Beaton has really been among the chief suspects in that. Um, my personal opinion is this is far too important and far too high profile a game for this guy to be to be refing. And I don't think that he is emotionally capable of being a top grade referee because I think he gets influenced by the, the by the crowd, by the noise, by the the players, and I think that he then stops making decisions based on just naturally making decisions and he starts second guessing everything he does and he starts as you can see the decision making process is flawed he's going to have a tough time of it on Saturday in which historically is a physical game Rangers and Hearts throughout my lifetime have always been two teams who just go at it hammer and tongs and I don't see Saturday being any different I think a lot of fans and I'm one of them are worried that we're going to be coming out of this game on Saturday not talking about the players, not talking about the manager but talking about the referee and that's a terrible feeling to have going into a football match Well, I think if um, somebody had, had kind of uh, had blinked during your, during your little rant there um, they would have thought which particular referee is he talking about? Um, you know, is it Willie Collin, for instance? I've, uh, I, I've got this theory because if you look back in some early editions of the fanzine, I, mean, I, I found references to Colonel O'Shaughnessy, who was one of Celtic's directors, was talking about referees never giving Celtic anything in like, the 1890s. <laughs> and I've, I've got this theory that because Celtic's um, paranoia is all persuasive, that it does have a cumulative effect on referees. And as a you know, 
that there's an ingrained, even when Celtic and playing Rangers, whenever Rangers are playing, referees are going out there going, I'm going to go under such scrutiny because this is Rangers, and I, you know, they'll all think I'm a Mason, I give Rangers the benefit of the doubt, so I've got to be tougher on Rangers than I will be in any other team. Now, whether that's genuine in the front of the or psychologically um, in the background, I think it's definitely a fact that, you know, I've always assumed as a Rangers fan, any game we go into, we have got to play better and harder than anybody else because the referees will not give us anything. Simply because Celtic have, have poisoned the well doesn't mean we should throw the baby out of the bathwater. But we are under um, stricter conditions than everybody else. I would also say, in my lifetime, I don't think that the, the referees have been fitter or better trained or subjected to so much scrutiny. So... We keep looking back to this golden age of Tiny Watton. Well, you know what? Tiny Watton and Andrew Waddle and Hope and all these guys, they were hated in their day by Rangers fans and every other fan in Scotland as well. So, you know, the referees there, let's just go on with the game. Well, I would say in Beaton's case that Hearts fans were talking about incidents that they had with him and they, they can't stand him. And I am willing to go by that he's just a bad referee. Um, which is what I think is the case but it, it does concern me that we're going into the match thinking oh Christ and that's never a good sign before before a match kicks off now an interesting I think um, we, we addendum to this season has been Craig Levine on his no fucks left to give tour because I think he's at the stage of life as we all reach Mark where he just doesn't care anymore he knows that this is certainly his biggest last job in football um, and he knows that he can do what he like and he, I think he's just amusing himself and of course he's reeled in on fishing trips so far this season Brendan Rodgers and Neil Lennon and he's been kind of quite quiet so far but that of course may change either in the build up or the post match to it I admit after not being a fan of his throughout his career I have laughed this season and I've been a wee bit surprised that we laugh and joke about the oversensitivity of certain sections of Scottish football, but I've been very surprised at how easily he was able to land them and that nobody was able to say to these guys, look, your reaction is exactly what he wants. And further, I would hope that Rangers, that if any in Hampshire, Graham Marty just goes, Aye, that's just Craig being Craig and leaves it. Because it's kind of bizarre to me that grown men have responded the way they have to what are quite clearly wind-ups. It's all the it's all the fun of the fair, isn't it? Mm. You know, he's, he's been around long enough. Uh, I, I don't think his delivery is great. I mean, he does, uh, you know, those glasses and that beard. Um, let's face facts, he does look like a fugitive from kind watch. But he does, as you say, he does seem to reel them in as a tactic. Um, long term, I'm not really sure that it works that well. Um, but in terms of like Lennon, for instance, you clearly got right under Lennon's um, oh. skin. And uh, so, you know, it, it's almost like a Fergie and, and Kevin Keegan moment. Mm. So, you know, it's all part of the game. So if he wants to try it, fine. But I think uh, I think Rangers should be responding to it with his shrug of the shoulders. What did you expect? Seen the routine before. 
you know, next please, you know, let's let's get somebody to do it properly and we'll worry about it. Nah, exactly. Just just let it go. Don't don't be annoyed by it. And uh, fair play to him because he's right. You know, he's not going. He's had his turn at Scotland. And he's not going to go down south. This is a, the biggest job he's going to have. And even if he lost it, I think he'd probably just go back to being their technical director again. So might as well have a bit of fun with it. But he, he's doing quite well with them. They are a better side. As as you pointed out, I've seen them against Hibs in Ross County recently and they were terrible football matches. But he's been getting them results. What's your prediction for Saturday, Mark? Because our home form is fucking awful, let's be honest. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm an eternal optimist, uh, so I'm going to go for two one. I, I I just think there's um, I think that <laughs> we're so leaky that we that we could possibly leak a goal. Um, but on the other hand, when we start motoring up front, even against you know teams that are traditionally um, you know in the kind of top half of the Scottish League, then I'm, I'm confident that we can score. So two two one would be my bet. I'm going to echo Mark's bet, so if you're putting a coupon on, you know which one to avoid, but I agree, I think that Hearts are good defensively, but I think that we're showing a lot of signs of having that bit of creativity we've badly missed this season, and I I can see us getting there by the odd goal in three, so I'll go for 2-1 as well, I share Mark's concerns, I think Hearts have got a good forward line, and I think that um, overall, it all comes down to the midfield battle, as always at Ibrox, if we win that, we'll be able to go in and control the game, but I'm I'm going for 2-1. Now Mark? Heart and Hand was built on stories that maybe always didn't have something to do with football and were, shall we say, somewhat lewd. Yes. Well, I can't let you go as an original member, as someone who's on the um, Heart and Hand Mount Rushmore and enjoys a a tale from the, shall we say, the the darker side of the football industry. Uh, Ross County, um, nice Highland club, always thought of as a bit of a family club. I think it's fair to say. Um, what, what bit of Presbyterianism? Well, well, this week, Ross County were forced to issue a statement after it was revealed that one of their players, ex-Celtic player Michael Gardine, had been caught on camera performing a sex act in the club's changing room upon himself. And that he'd done so in front of his teammates, one of whom had filmed it. Why did people let that happen? Look, if anyone films you doing something like that, it's so they can send it to people, right? It's not for their own collection. And even if it was, why would you go, oh, right, you, you're, gonna, you're the only one that's going to look at it. That's fine, hang on, I'll just get my cock out. But former Celtic player Michael Gardine performed a sex act on himself, which I, when reading the story, had taken to mean he had um, engaged in a, a bout of self-abuse. That's what you would think, right? Perform a sex act on yourself You're thinking wank Right, that's what's at the top of your list But apparently it wasn't Apparently Mark, he indulged in what can only be described As a bout of auto-fellatio What is happening in the Highlands, mate? It wouldn't be the the first player to blow his own trumpet (laughs) I, I, I I think we should also at this point probably point out This is probably why Heart and Hand is a podcast, not a video cast. Because uh, I dread to think that some of the some of the sites that the the uh, subscribers would have would have seen if, uh, if we'd left you in charge of a, a video camera for any length of time. <laughs> but what what kind of conversation leads into that? Hey lads, uh, do you know what I can do? No, I, I can I can suck my own belly and away. No, I can't. Hold on, get your cameras ready. That that doesn't happen in your average workplace for good reason. Well, let's face back. 
He's not the first man to indulge in a team wank. <laughs> well, he, he isn't a self. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a self high five, but I, I just I know I wouldn't want to do it because you know I know where my willy's been, and the last place I want to put it now would be my mouth. But then again, you know, sometimes you're in this kind of situation. You know, as I've heard, people have been. You know, and there's five or six guys in the team saying we're going to have a little bit of an unusual race here, and you're thinking, <laughs> oh. And then they, you know, you suddenly think, well, well, they aren't exactly putting on their trainers here. What they get <laughs> so he wouldn't be the first gentleman ever to feel forced to join in. But it is a bit odd that he was at his age. He was like the leader of the gang, so to speak. Not too. He's not. He can't. We can't really use the daft boyness. Get out of jail card on this so, one. And there is obviously, whether admitted or not, men do have this obsession with penal envy. So you're thinking, is he a Ron Jeremy type figure, or is he one of these real nutters that's had a couple of ribs surgically removed <laughs> so he can get down there? The Marilyn Manson. Well, that's uh, um. Well, I hope I'm not the only person that's actually thought of this, but I'm I'm sure from some of the comments online there are more than a more than a few people have have had that thought that he's actually um, taking it to extremes, and as he's getting older, it's becoming more pronounced what he likes to do, and this urge to perform in public, so to speak. Well, at the end of the day, we're not here to kink shame. Um, if it doesn't hurt any animals, children, or vegetables, knock yourself out. And uh, but but don't let people film it, right? Um, that's that's. But, I, I, but, I but the t- we are looking for the for PMs if there are any links out there. <laughs> We'd like to share it with the with the rest of the world. I I did laugh at the. I love these these words that the papers use for stories like you know Graham Murphy admits he would love to stay at, on at Ibrox as manager, and I'm like, what did you have to beat that out of him? Of course he wants to. But the the one that made me laugh on this one was he was caught. Performing a sex act, he wasn't caught. He had a room full of people there, all of whom had their cameras out. I'm not caught. There was a punter on Facebook, and they came up with a one liner that just nailed it. And I just thought, I've got to steal that. And so somebody put up the story, and the first response was Toss County. (laughs) (laughs) It was a stroke stroke of genius. Always the first reply. That that's the established rule of follow follow. It's always the first reply. Mark, thank you very much for joining me today. Where can people see more of the magnificent octopus that is follow follow? Well, we are we are manipulating people's brains, mostly from forum.followfollow.com. Thank you very much for listening to the thoughts of an ex van driver and someone who's on the professional scrap heap. Uh, Mark, thank you for joining me. Thank you, David. My name's David Edgar, and I'll be back to talk to you on Monday. Take care. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.